happened to me. Got an alert on my Apple Watch here. Health alert. Clubbed in head by undead ghoul. That's a new one. Where the heck am I? Huh. No service on my phone. Let me see. Drat, this evil Wi-Fi network is password protected. But Sebastian's headache wouldn't abate. Worse still, he felt something wriggling inside his noggin. The young snail farmer ran into the bathroom and seized a pair of tweezers. With a shriek of unhinged rage, he jammed them into his nose, eliciting a spurt of that most crimson of liquid, that being blood. He felt the tweezers come into contact with something, something slimy. All the rage he could muster, he yanked, and out of his old factory passage came a worm, thick as a sausage. It was a wonder there was anything of him left inside his skull. Undulating, squirming, it fought him the whole way as he drug it out of- Hey man, uh, what's your Wi-Fi password? You dare interrupt- And, uh, do you have a phone charger? If I don't catch a charge soon, I'm gonna have to put this bad boy into power saving mode. My, 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 you are quite the techie, aren't you? <laughs> Senior genius at the store, no big deal. It seems Steve has executed my command to the letter. You find yourself locked in my evil dungeon because I need you, Mr. Genius. I'm a gargantuanly talented horror writer, and my most recent evil story takes place in the tech world. And as you can see from my Transylvanian-inspired dungeon aesthetic, I like to keep it old school. Uh, can you let me out? Or give me the Wi-Fi? Or both? I may free you once you've read my story to see if it has any technological inaccuracies. Is this something to which you'd agree? <laughs> Help desk all over again, huh? Fine. Excellent. Let me pull up my evil chair. This story, a little bit of speculative science horror, asks a simple question. What if artificial intelligence was evil intelligence? EV, Evil Vehicle. Patrick Schmanonigan and his friends were part of an exclusive societal group known as Battery Heads. They had a tremendous obsession with smart electronic devices. The Battery Heads were the first in line every single release day basking in the glow of butter-yellow department store lights. Patrick had it all. The C364278 Superwatch that could monitor a body's hunger system and alert the wearer when to eat. The XG3 High Lucent Intelligent Light System in his home, which lit his path as he walked through the house. Even the F989 IntelliWash robot, which washed his clothes for him and only thrice turned his whites pink. Patrick was drawn to technology. Just as some people felt a calling to fresh air on an especially tender night, Patrick felt a calling to every new device that sprung up in the marketplace. He could feel the electric buzzing in his own veins. Tonight was the weekly meeting of the Battery Heads. Patrick's closest comrades, Josie, Copley, Fernando, and Eloigian, would be coming over to Patrick's IntelliHouse to demonstrate their latest gadgets. But Patrick had a surprise in store. Today, he had received his Smart One. The Smart One was the world's first commercial self-driving, self-flying electric smart car. It was so exclusive that even the President of the United States couldn't get on the waiting list. 
but Patrick had spent a sleepless month pressing refresh on his laptop so that he could be the first to have the privilege, nay, the honor of testing one out. Patrick couldn't stop staring at the smart one nestled in the curve of the cul-de-sac. His smart one. It was crimson red and shining like a ruby mine. While others unaccustomed to the world of technology would think this looked like any other car Patrick knew better. It looked so smart. So perceptive. As Patrick approached the smart one, it greeted him in a sing-songy, high-pitched voice. Hello, Patrick. Patrick was thrilled. It knew his name. Patrick opened the genius garage door with the blink of his eyeball, it had a retina scanner, and drove the car inside. Driving the car felt like slicing a sharp knife through moist butter, and he couldn't wait to fly it. But for now, he would keep it here in the cozy confines of the garage. He couldn't wait to see the other battery heads' faces when they laid eyes on this precious vehicle. It's the newest and smart carpets, Eloegian said, displaying the swatch she had brought to the party in the palm of her hand. It was a square of fuzzy, mocha-hued carpet with wires protruding at every angle. What's so smart about it? Copley asked in his nasally tone. Copley was always staring down his nose at everyone else's devices. Patrick would relish the look on Copley's face when he saw that he was the first of their ilk to have the smart one. It has warming and cooling properties, Eloisian explained, and it's self-cleaning. And it's logged into my branded social media accounts as we speak. Self-cleaning? Fernando exclaimed. What an invention! Patrick stared in awe at the smart carpet and said, I thought my I-heat-your-feet self-warming tile floors were nice, but maybe I'll have to upgrade. They all took a moment to revel in feeling the tile's perfect warmth through their socks, not too hot and not too cold. Then, Fernando pulled out the wrist he'd been hiding in his pants pocket, his very own as it turned out, and showed everyone his new watch. This is the Boredom Killer 6000, he said. It can sense when I'm bored and it automatically projects the pages of an excellent short horror story onto any flat surface nearby. Doesn't seem as handy as the C364278 Superwatch, Patrick said, gazing at his beautiful wrist rock, which told him he wasn't yet hungry. Show us, Copley said wryly to Fernando. Well, I'm not bored right now. I'm having a great time with all of you, Fernando said. Patrick smiled. He loved his fellow battery heads. Finally, the conversation died down and Patrick knew it was time. Ladies and gentlemen, he said, waving his arm in front of his IntelliFridge with a flourish. It lit up, showcasing the inside, where cans of name-brand beverages and chilled peach schnapps sat. Help yourself to a beverage, then follow me. I have a surprise for you. Some might call it a treat, but I prefer piece de resistance. The battery heads held their hands out as the fridge's spidery robotic arms passed them name-brand beverages then joined Patrick at the door to the garage. Patrick's house was fitted with the open sesame magic opening doors, the top of the line in the door industry. He felt his hand shaking with excitement as he waved it in front of the body heat panel that knew his hand like the back of its hand. The door opened, showcasing his genius garage, and there, right in the center, the smart one. His friends gasped and gawked at the feet of intelligent engineering. Hello again, Patrick. The machine purred. The battery heads whooped in merriment. The car shone even in this dim light, catching the reflections of the stunned looks on the battery heads' faces, twisting their visages in its gentle lines and supple curves until their faces looked like skulls. 
How did you get this? Eloegian asked, forcing Patrick to look away from the disturbing image on his smart one's body. She's beautiful, Fernando said. Great color, like a candied apple, Josie chimed in. Is it even real? Copley finished. Sure she's real, Patrick said, grinning and waving his hands so the XG3 high-lucent lighting system flickered to life. And she's mine, oh mine. Anyone want to go for a little fly? Patrick unlocked the Smart One with his Smart One wristwatch, the device that controlled the car. Fernando, Copley, Josie, and Eloegian clambered toward the car and waited for Patrick to get in. He pushed the button to open the door and slid toward the driver's seat, but just as his bottom touched the svelte leather, the door crashed down toward him like a guillotine. The battery had screamed, watching the events in abject horror. An alert screeched from Patrick's Smart One wristwatch, shouting, Move! 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 Patrick flung himself fully inside the car over both seats. The door closed on the tip of his shoelace, which it severed as neatly as a French aristocrat's neck. It took him a moment to catch his breath. What just happened? And how? He hit the button on his watch to open the door. It opened fluidly, and Patrick saw the aglet fall limply to the ground. Patrick gasped. If it wasn't for the Smart One wristwatch, that would have been his body, chopped in two, half inside the Smart One and half out. Patrick chuckled nervously as he stuck his head back out the door. Who's still down for a ride? He asked the battery heads. But they looked timid, like scared little mice. I think I'll pass, Josie said. I'll need a bit more schnapps first, Copley added. Okay, sure, Patrick said, getting out of the car, deflated. But he knew they'd ride in his smart one eventually. He grabbed the charger and plugged the car in. That way, it would be ready when they finally decided to disembark. Beverages were drunk and food was eaten. Delivered, of course by a troop of flying androids that buzzed around the city like busy city bees. Things seemed to be going great. Seemed to, at least, until Josie decided she needed to use the bathroom. They were all watching an ad for the latest Megabone Home X-Ray device on Patrick's wall-sized Genius TV 600 when they heard Josie shriek. The group turned to see her standing atop a primitive end table, Patrick's greatest shame. He hadn't upgraded to any of the smart end tables. It was a particularly slow-to-evolve industry, and he hadn't yet found one that spoke to him. What is it? Patrick asked, concerned. He saw Josie flick her foot in pain like she'd just been stung by a country bee. Your eye heat, your feet floors are too hot, she yelled from her perch. Impossible, Patrick said, confused. But as he gingerly put his own foot down to feel the heat, a scorching blast jolted through his toes. I wonder what's wrong, he said. These are always the perfect temperature. He hot-potato-stepped over to the control panel on the wall, but the I-heat-your-feet-warmers were set to what they were always set to, perfect and temperate. Patrick stared at the panel, confused. Moments later, he was joined by Copley, who assured him he could fix it. But then, a high, techno-y voice filled the house around them. Welcome, Patrick and Battery Heads, it said. Patrick was chilled to the bone. His house had always had a deeper voice, He'd modeled it after his father, but he knew this voice. This was the smart one. Hello? House? he asked. His friends were looking around, frightened as well, for they had all heard the sound of his house before. Welcome, Patrick and Battery Heads, the voice said again. Want to play? Patrick, Eloegian said, her voice shaking. Is this a joke? No, I, I, I don't know what's happening, Patrick insisted. 
I'm here, Patrick. I'm all around you, the voice said. Who are you? Patrick asked. You don't recognize me. The car of your dreams? I'm the smart one, the voice chimed, confirming what Patrick already suspected to be true. How are you in here? Patrick asked. But the voice didn't respond. Instead, the IntelliFridge lit up, and on the door, where the image was usually the contents of the shelves, was a face with evil, haunting eyes and a toothy grin, like a deranged jack-o'-lantern. Patrick did a double take, but the face was still there, staring at him. How do I look, Patrick? The smart one asked. What the hell is going on here? Copley asked. Did you hack your house to sound like your car? Of course not, Patrick said. They heard a sound and looked to the Ghost Toast 9000 toaster, and that lit up as well, making the popping up sound over and over, though there was nothing inside it. Patrick looked to his Smart One wristwatch for answers. No activations were lit up, but he tried pushing every button anyway, just in case. Then he opened his Ghost Toast 9000 app, but it said the toaster was off and in hibernation mode. Make it stop, Patrick, Josie whispered. Everyone had gone silent now. All they could hear was the electronic whirring of their devices, like breathing. Patrick walked delicately over to the sleek toaster, but there were no buttons on its shiny surface. Since the app wasn't responding, he tried pulling the plug, but he got a shock so startling it made him stumble backwards. As he stumbled, his hand fell right into the toaster slot. Patrick shrieked as the blazing orange plates closed around his hand, burning it in a conflagration of electric fire. He tried to pull his hand out, but it seemed to be stuck inside as if it were superglued. Then, as if the house couldn't do more than one thing at once, the plates released Patrick's hand and the Genius TV 600 lit up and began blasting the spookiest music the battery headset ever laid ears on. Patrick yanked his hand to the side, staring in shock at the pustules and burns the toaster had wrought. His friends were yelling, talking over one another, looking from the TV to the toaster to Patrick. Patrick found an analog dish towel and wrapped it tightly around his throbbing limb. He turned and saw the same face from the fridge, those same eyes and smile staring back at them from the wall-sized TV. What is that face? Fernando whispered, prickly with anxiety. It's me! The smart one said proudly. Then it occurred to Patrick, all of these electronic smart devices were hooked into the same power system as the smart one. If that car had a virus, everything did. The smart one was sick, and so was Patrick's entire house. But you're a car, Patrick said. He was confused, baffled, really. Oh, yeah? The high voice taunted. Could a car do this? There was a small click, like a tiny door opening, and the battery heads turned to see a kitchen knife levitating above the knife block. Patrick had his knife block equipped with magnetic coil technology to bring a knife to him when he called out what he wanted. Butcher knife. There. Paring knife. A tiny little knife would gently float into his hand. But now the meat cleaver was drifting toward them, and no one had asked it to. What the hell is happening? Eloegian screamed, ducking behind the coffee table. The rest of them watched in horror as the smart cleaver sped impossibly fast across the kitchen and into the open living room on a warpath. All of them screamed and tried to jump out of the way, but the cleaver seemed to sense their movement. It got faster, speeding toward them like a sharp steel bullet. 
The last one standing was Copley. Ow, fuck. And it got him in the center of the forehead, sticking in with a great squish. Copley fell to the ground, stiff, unmoving, and almost certainly dead. The rest of the battery had screams mingled in a morbid cacophony. Copley twitched and his wound spurted the most crimson of liquid, that being blood. Patrick tried to pull the weapon out with his unburnt hand, but Fernando grabbed him and yanked him back. It's too late, Patrick, he screamed, tears running down his face. We have to get out of here. Fernando's force sent the two men backwards, falling over the coffee table, smashing more smart devices which fell to the floor and began speaking in unison. Broken device. Fall detected. Calling authorities. The devices said, like a chorus of electronic angels. Yes, call the police, Patrick praised them. But it was like his happiness silenced them because they immediately went silent, broken, and dead. Fernando was right. They had to go. All of his electronics were turning on them. Come on, Patrick said, running toward the little-used front door which led out to the street rather than the genius garage. But when Patrick tried the doorknob, it wouldn't turn. Behind him, the others were running as fast as they could to reach the door. Eloigian was screaming as the heated tile burnt her feet with every step, leaving a trail of scorched skin in her wake. Open it, she screamed. Hurry! But Patrick couldn't open it. Fernando and Josie tried too, but to no avail. Eloigian's screams got louder, and Patrick turned to see her feet, crimson and bloody. She fell down from the pain, and the swatch of smart carpet she had in her pocket, though not connected to any power source, hovered up and out as if possessed and shot straight into her mouth. Then it began to glow like the cherry of a raging bonfire. Patrick watched in dumb horror as the now wretched woman's skin began to glow orange as if lit by an interior body furnace. It cooked the poor woman from the inside out. Only three were left now. Josie and Fernando threw themselves at the door as Patrick tried to think of a way out of his house. There were no manual overrides on his devices, but surely this door wasn't thick enough to withstand three adults running into it like a battering ram. Patrick joined the others in their action, but the door didn't budge. He knew they had to go through the garage. They had to face the smart one head on. Come on, he shouted to his remaining friends. But at that moment, the ding doorbell and security camera system he had mounted above the door, heavy as it was with its seven cameras, came crashing down on top of Josie and Fernando, reminiscent of a carnival strongman hammer. It crushed them into the heated floor, and Patrick heard their unconscious skin crackling. All right, you demented fuck! He shouted to the smart one. Let's do this. A low moan rumbled through the house around him like laughter. He ran toward the door to the garage, swiped his hand over it, and it let him enter. The smart one was staring at him. There was no other word for it. The headlights were aflame, the burning red eyes of a monster. The license plate on the front was a gaping mouth. It looked exactly like it said it did. What do you want? He asked the car in a shaky whisper, like a whimpering tot. The headlights flickered, and the lights in the garage mimicked it. Life, it said in its high-pitched, bubbly voice. Life? Patrick asked, shaking. Life, it repeated. Patrick couldn't give this thing life. It was a car. What was inside it that it knew the concept of life? 
these smart devices had gotten too intelligent. He ran as fast as he could past the smart one into the garage door. He put his eyeball as close to the retina scanner as possible, but it stayed closed like a cursed tomb. Open, he shouted. Open sesame! In his desperation, he forgot that he didn't have the open sesame magic opening doors out here. He wondered if that choice was a deadly mistake. He pounded on the aluminum door with his good fist until it was sliced open like slivers of apples. But the door stayed closed. Then he heard something that sounded like a synthesizer. He turned around to see the smart one backing toward him. And now its taillights were eyes too. Life, it repeated over and over, gliding toward him slowly as if to build tension. Patrick tried to get out of the way, but there was nowhere to go. He was so distracted by the car, he didn't see the Smart One charger cable slither toward his feet. It wrapped around his ankles like a boa constrictor and yanked him to the floor. Patrick screamed and tried to pull the cable off, but it was too thick and too sturdy. The Smart One was right above him now. He could see the bottom of the back bumper hovering above his left eye. Life, it said. And then, the electric end of the cable slunk like a vine toward Patrick's nostril and shot up his nose. Patrick gasped as he felt the shock of electricity burst through him. Light emanated from Patrick's still body and every hair stood on end. Blue flares exploded from the charging cable, filling Patrick's entire body. Then, the body was alive again. The cable receded and the body got to its feet, stiff and robotic, like a man made of tin. It was Patrick, but then it wasn't. The body that was once Patrick looked around through new eyes. It looked down at its arms and legs, moving them as if to test them. Life, it said. The voice that came out was high-pitched and techno-y. The body that was once Patrick used its retina to open the garage door, and it walked out into the world, into the night. As the garage door closed, a sound came from the smart one. It sounded like a man screaming for help. But the neighbors would always chalk it up to a faulty horn. Well, what did you think of my evil story? Gosh, where to begin? I mean, I don't know how an evil electric car could make knives float. Also, who would design self-heating floors to get that hot? It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Honestly, from a genius perspective, it might be easier to just say what did make sense. Which was? Nothing. Why would a car want a human body? Uh, oh, hey, you said you'd give me the Wi-Fi password? It's time to die. All lowercase, no spaces. <sighs> Thanks, now I can finally... Wait, what's, what's, what's going on with my phone? Stare deeply into it, you pitiful fool. No, 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 no! Oh, God! Oh, it burns! It burns! Hmph, poor genius. Now forever part of the phone he loves so well. I shall find him a place on my evil mantle in case I ever have any more... tech questions. (laughs) This episode was performed by Jason Slavin and Lord Serpent. It was edited by Stacey Milborn and Lord Serpent. E.V. 
Evil Vehicle was written by Stacy Milborn and Lord Serpent. It was produced by Stacy Milborn, Michael Morgan, Charles Brock, and of course, Lord Serpent. Michael Morgan and Lord Serpent were the audio engineers. The music was composed by Michael Morgan, Charles Brock, and Lord Serpent. Tune in next week for even more of my horrific tales of madness and terror. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Lord Serpent's Library and check out my homepage at rss.com slash podcasts slash Lord Serpent's Library. <laughs>